Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, you'll love our books, featuring the best essays read on our podcast. Learn more at inspirationallifelessons.com. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Getting a Start, First Stage to Success by Nathaniel C. Fowler, published in 1915. Being ahead of time may lose you a minute, but being behind time may spoil your whole day. You can't catch up with the time that has passed. Being late is foolhardy, unbusinesslike, disastrous, and dishonest. If you are expected at a certain time, or have agreed to be somewhere at an hour specified, you are dishonest to yourself and to the other person if you don't arrive on time. Because you are expected, preparations are made for your arrival, and delay injures both you and the one to be seen. Promptness is a commodity, negotiable in every market, while tardiness stands for failure and is a forerunner of disaster. The behind-time woman or man can't be depended upon, Being there gives opportunity for getting there. Better to be ahead of time, even at great inconvenience, than to be a minute late. Always prepare for emergencies. Don't take chances with time. Time will beat you if you let it. Don't agree to meet anybody at a specified hour, unless you are reasonably certain of arriving at that hour and you can't be sure unless you have allowed plenty of time for the unavoidable or possible delay. If you are expected at the office at 8 o'clock, and your train or bus is likely to be late, take an earlier one. Arrival at your place of business ahead of time is an advantage. However, an appointment should not be kept except at the hour specified. If you have agreed to meet someone at, say, 10 o'clock, allow ample time for getting there, even though it may bring you in front of that person's office door before 10 o'clock. But don't enter their office until 10, for they may have other duties and may not want to see you until the appointed hour. If you are to meet someone out of town, requiring a trip by plane or train, Select the one that most likely will bring you there at the time agreed upon, or before. But take an earlier one if there is any chance of the other one being late. It is often a good idea not to tell the person that you will meet them at any specified time. Instead, say that you will be taking a train or a plane due to arrive at, say, 2 o'clock, that you will immediately come to their office. Always arrive at the office that you work at on time or ahead of time. Wait for your employer. Don't make them wait for you. If you are there, you will get somewhere, sometime. If you are not there, you will get left when your employer is considering promotions and pay raises. Be on time and you may succeed. Be late and you are sure to fail.
Now, all of this doesn't mean that I am urging you to hurry through life. Quite the opposite. My advice is don't hurry and don't worry. Perhaps you can't help worrying, but you can avoid hurrying. Studies have shown that a given amount of work done in a hurry is more exhausting than many times that volume of labor, accomplished moderately, sensibly, and normally. One of the best proofs of this is obtained by positioning yourself near to a railroad or subway station, and counting the people who run for their trains, and those who do not then ascertaining the approximate measure of success possessed by those who calmly walk through this station and those who rush for their cars. The vast majority of those who have accomplished great things or are successfully doing small things do not hurry and they attempt to reduce their worry to the minimum. The failures on the other hand usually get up late, gobble their breakfast, allow little time to reach their office, and are obliged to run part of the way to catch their train, or else be late. They reach their place of business physically as well as mentally exhausted, and not in condition to do their work effectively. Hard work seldom injures anybody, provided it is done normally and persistently. A person is less exhausted by working their hours steadily than by attempting to do more than the allotted amount of work in insufficient time. At certain periods it may be necessary for you to work more rapidly than at others, but the majority of tasks may be accomplished with an easy gait, if one works steadily and systematically. Lord Nelson, the conqueror of Napoleon, was once asked to give the reason of his success. As quick as a flash, he replied, I always arrive 15 minutes ahead of time. If it is necessary for you to be at the office at, say, 9 o'clock, you can accomplish your work of that day better and more easily by getting there at a quarter to nine. Don't attempt always to finish your work at the closing hour. If you do, you will unconsciously hurry. Better stay a half hour over time once in a while than exhaust yourself in attempting to leave the office on time. Failures as a rule neglect their duties and then are obliged to rush and hurry if they would accomplish anything. The nervous strain of hurry is many times greater than is that of steady and persistent labor. Hurrying affects the nerves and makes it impossible for the body or the mind to work intelligently or effectively. Avoid worry as much as possible, even if you can always eliminate it. Most people occasionally have a good cause for worry and do worry. However, you need not make a specialty of worrying. Whatever you do, don't worry about worry. Worry is bad enough as it is. Don't encourage it. Don't think about it. Don't give it any attention. Just try not to notice it. Remember that half of your worry is homemade, and half of this half has no ground for existence. 
Lastly, let's talk about success and humility. Don't be quote it or think you're it until you are it. And when you become it, don't advertise that you are it. I am not appreciating the value of independence or the display of individuality, nor do I belittle the commercial worth of self-assurance. It is true that too much modesty and self-depreciation are defeating, and do not work for financial or other success. But the opposite of these is far more fatal, and is sure to cause disaster. If there is any one kind of person who is despised, by both their employer and their colleagues, it is the person who thinks they are it. Or forgive my French, hot shit. The one who is a walking bundle of crooked conceit, of no particular use to themselves, and disagreeable to those with whom they come in contact. Because they think they are it, they never actually become it. If they possess ability, their unpopularity keeps them down. They are not given opportunity to use their full capacity. The fact that you may have been valedictorian of your high school class, or graduated college summa cum laude, or from an Ivy League school, doesn't justify you in feeling above others, or holding yourself aloof from your fellow workers. The value of education is in the application of it, and you cannot apply academic learning in business, or in any profession, unless you become a part and parcel of the vocation you have selected and feel neither above nor below your co-workers and associates. Professional life is, fortunately or unfortunately, different from that of school or college life, and you must accept this difference and adapt yourself to it, if you would succeed. If your education is admirable, it is a commodity which may be used to your advantage, or it may handicap you. Few are foolish enough to parade it around. Don't feel above your working position. While in the ranks, you are a soldier, not an officer. And it is your business to perform your duty, subordinate though it may be, as though you occupied the highest position on the staff. Good officers come from good soldiers. Successful entrepreneurs and professionals spring from those who considered their apprenticeships as a part of their education, and master the lower rungs of the ladder, before they attempted to reach the higher ones. Ninety-nine and nine-tenths percent of those who are successful, who have achieved market accomplishment, who have earned the right to be in the public eye, began at the bottom and some of them started at the sub-bottom. They worked up, step by step, and did the little things at the start, just as well as they did the big things at the finish, and they neither strutted nor bragged while en route. Be proficient in the little before you attempt to be great in much. Don't put on airs. Don't be it. Be yourself. 
recognizing the fact that you cannot command until you have been commanded. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get your own private feed to our podcast with full transcripts delivered right to your smartphone by becoming our patron today. It costs less than a cup of coffee a month and will ensure the production of our podcast for years to come. Visit livinghour.org slash patron. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.